everybody and welcome to today's episode of Tales from the Doghouse Separation Anxiety Explained. I am Stacey Bell and with me today is... Hello, I am Ness Jones and Chase is here with me um, from Separation Anxiety in Dogs Decoded. <laughs> and today we are talking about Stacey. We are talking about when your dog starts to get anxious before you even leave the house or leave the door. Um, So that's a big one. Yeah, it is a big one. So uh, I think maybe before we talk about why and what to do about it, we should talk about what it might look like to somebody. As in in what kind of behaviours the dog might display or do. So... um, Yes, because we know they're watching us all the time. They're so they observant. Are. They know exactly what it, <clears throat> what you put on, whether they're coming with you. I actually, actually, funny story, um, on Sunday, which it's like on the weekend, um, I mowed the lawn for the very first time in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I've snippet. Um we can like we did it together, my husband and I, and mm-hmm. hopping over, but yeah, to show me how to do the lawnmowing, um, because I've never done it anyway. Um, but the shoes I because he does it with thongs or flip flops, whatever you want to call them, and I'm not talking about a G string, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> they're called thongs here, they're called jandals, in Australia, I know, but flip flops, like- and <laughs> Like had this image of your husband mowing the lawn in <laughs> a g-string, a g-string. And I'm like, mm. no. but the <laughs> shoes I put on to do it because I put proper shoes in my feet because right. I used to work with a guy that actually chopped off all his toes with yeah. a lawnmower yeah Ooh. he took and one of them was toe. well on one foot and one of them was his big toe he had to learn how to walk again Anyway, mm. So I'm like, I'm going to be very careful and put proper shoes on. But the shoes I put on are the, us- are the shoes I only ever use to oh, the dogs. And mm-hmm. they were like, oh, we're going out for a walk. I'm like, um, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> JK, I'm just mowing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, but so they that know exactly what clothes we put on, whether they're coming with us or not. Yeah. Right, right. We- So some of the behaviors that um, my clients have talked about seeing in their dogs that are triggered by um, pre-departure cues, and and what we mean by pre-departure cues or PDQs are just um, things that you do prior to leaving that trigger your dog um, to know that you're leaving. So some of your pre-departure cues may... um, make your dog excited, like Ness putting on her shoes that she usually uses for walks or picking up a leash um, would, or your dog's harness or something like that might make your dog excited. But then there are other cues like putting on your work shoes or a briefcase or a backpack or your Beautiful. purse or your keys or yeah. jacket or whatever. Um, so those things might cause your dog to show signs of anxiety. So um, that's what a pre-departure cue is. It just cues your dog into your leaving. And, um, 
So I think a really common one is um, pacing or and panting. Those are yeah. the ones I think my clients like see the most. Um, but maybe also whining is another kind of low key one that that um, my clients see. Yeah, as a, um, a super common one. I think also hypervigilance, like the mm-hmm. oh, 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 that's like also heard of literal trembling, like. Mm-hmm. Oh, and tails, tugs, stuff like that. Just getting back mm-hmm. to the Peter Parcher cues, it's really good if you can identify what they are. And sometimes they're quite weird things. So it, yeah. I've had somebody that took their lunch out of the fridge to go to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't think that taking lunch out of the fridge would, right. would be yeah. a trigger, but, yeah. Um, Obviously, mm. for a woman, it could be uniform. Not, um, it could be putting on makeup or doing your blow drying your hair. Mm-hmm. For some people, it could be something as simple as putting on deodorant. Or right. I've got a client that the dog is, you know, just all those kind of leaving cues, like getting up, going, you know, all the stuff you would do before you leave the house, shutting the mm-hmm. back door. Um, yeah, putting on deodorant, doing hair. Um, filling a water bottle or, yeah. um, you know, a to go, like if you have a to go mug for your coffee or tea Especially or a like, water yeah. bottle or yeah. something that you usually bring with you when you leave. Um, I know for my dog, it's, you know, I fill my water lots of times through the day, but there's something different about how I fill my water when <laughs> I'm getting ready to leave. Is I'm that, not sure what it is. You haven't figured it out. <laughs> different. And he's like, Hmm, she's leaving. <laughs> Which, oh, interesting. You know, um, yeah, it is interesting. And and that's a really another point is if your dog is getting anxious before you leave and you're not quite sure what's triggering your dog, filming it, you know, filming yeah. your leaving routine is a really good way to kind of um, be able to separate yourself enough from it to be able to observe what is it that that my dog is reacting to. I wonder if it could be, it could be something as simple as if they were coming with you, you might be like talking to them, to them a little bit or paying them a little bit more attention. Mm-hmm. If you're getting ready to leave, leave, you probably might ignore them a little bit more because you're concentrating on, you know, focusing on what, what you need to bring to with you. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. And they, they're yeah. smart enough to recognize the difference just between those subtle things. Yes. Really. Yeah. yeah. And usually when I'm bringing Rowan with me, because like his stuff, like meaning his collar and his leash and everything are by the front door, but we leave out the side door, which is through the kitchen. So if he's coming with me, I would put on his collar and everything and then go through the kitchen and, but if I'm just going through the kitchen without him, you know, without having put it on his collar first, then he's not coming with me. So he does know that he does know that difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're so smart. So. They're so observant. And you could just literally be your body language, like who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now yeah. your yeah. homework, Stacey Bell, if you choose to accept mm. it, <laughs> is to identify the difference. <laughs> Yeah. Why? Why is filling my water bottle like <laughs> the same one? You know, it's yeah, not like yeah. it's a different container. So um yeah, I'll have to look at that. I do have a camera, so I could set that up and look at it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So we've got things like so um hypervigilance, as you said, pacing, 
um, maybe a wine, maybe trembling if it's really mm-hmm. severe, um, pale tucks. Um, ears back, mm-hmm. like, you know how they pull their, some dogs, it's funny, they'll pull their ears back, like kind of pin them back and others do that kind of airplane ears. Yeah. I'm doing demonstrations for those who are watching on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so just knowing what your dog's anxious ears look like, um, is, is important. So when we talk about vigilance, um, I think that's a good one to kind of pick apart because, um, it can look slightly different in different dogs, but mainly, um, what we're looking at there is the dog noticing your movements and, you know, reacting in some way. So some dogs might, um, do like quick head turns or like, so they're really watching you or you might like stand up and they might like have been resting and they like just jump up onto their feet. And so what you're, you're usually seeing is like a bigger than normal reaction to your movements. Um, what would you add to that? Um, maybe they, well, they could just be glued to your side. Like I know you're going to leave me. I'm not, I'm, I'm glued here. Um, mm-hmm. And just, just you just jogged my memory too about something else. So some dogs, this is not to do with vigilance, by the way, <laughs> um, <but> some dogs <laughs> will try to elicit play with you. So they might pick up a toy and they'll be mm-hmm. like, hey, 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 <laughs> yes. um, because they don't want you to leave. So they're like, well, mm-hmm. maybe I can distract you. Distract her. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, vigilance could be, you know, just that kind of watching you walk around the room, like they might not even get up, but they could just be following you with their Mm -hmm. head or their eyes or yeah. Right, right. Mm, Yeah, I know mine don't, I mean, mine watch, they're always watching me, yeah. Some yeah. dogs are, yeah. yeah. Even yeah. when they're asleep, you see that little eye, yeah. eyelid go up. <laughs> where, are they, where are they going? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's true. And and Rowan is one of those dogs who like follows me around the house. So, you know, if if I go into a different room, he'll follow me, even if he has been sleeping. Um, you know, which isn't a problem for me, so I don't do anything about it. But. Um, it's different because he's yeah. not doing it because he's anxious. And so kind of looking at the, the behavior in context, right? Yeah. Um, so looking at your dog's body language, any behaviors that they're showing, um, as well as, you know, the following is, is again, not a problem unless it's stemming from anxiety. And then we will, we'll address that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm the same as well. My dog's the same as Rowan. Like I get up, they're like, "Oh, where are we going? We're coming. Mm-hmm. Are you going to the kitchen? <laughs> are we going outside? You know." And yeah, they're fingers crossed for the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> we really like cheese. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they they are opportunists, and they do want to be. They're social animals too. We've got to remember that. So right. don't worry about it if they're following you around the house. It's yeah, mm-hmm. the context is important if they're getting anxious before you leave. So first things we need to do is determine what pre-departure cues you have before you leave and also what your dog does pertinent to them. Per- pertinent to them. Right, right. So, for example, if your dog gets anxious when you pick up the keys, then we would we would account for that in training. If your dog is neutral or doesn't care when you pick up the keys, that's not something, 
you know, just because it predicts your departure doesn't mean it's going to matter to your dog. Right. So that's a really important factor in like what pre-departure cues matter to your dog, because if they don't matter, then we don't have to work with them, um, in training. Yeah. And also, um, so some, some more subtle signs that your dog might be like, not so much anxious, but just a bit, you know, bummed out <laughs> for a better word. You know, you might see some lip licking or some yawning and that sort, mm-hmm. of, that sort of behavior. Mine just look disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> they just yeah. Like look at me like, we're disappointed in you. <laughs> yeah. My, um, my good friend has a standard poodle and so her tail is usually like kind of up oh, and like I'm as soon to... as she realizes <laughs> that she's not coming her tail just whoop yeah. she doesn't have separation related behaviors but it's like a clear sign that she's disappointed that she's not coming and it's like it kind of hurts your feelings for yeah. her but um you know I think that's really common I think most dogs are disappointed yeah. when we're not taking them with them but um for her it's just so clear because her tail is so up and she's like and then it's like hmm. so um, they're on hydraulics isn't it it kind of goes yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly exactly so oh, that's so cute anyways yeah um so, so I guess what we need to do is then talk about if you're seeing signs of anxiety uh you know mm-hmm. your dog's reacting to your departures how to address them. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for all of the pre-departure cues that are avoidable, meaning um, we can avoid them. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Is that what that means? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm on my game today, I swear. Um, So for the ones that are avoidable, we would avoid them to start out with. And for um and the reason why we do that is that it makes it easier for your dog um to be successful in home alone training so we do that to give them traction a place to start with home alone training um and then later on we'll add those back in but to start out with we just drop them if we can yeah so for example we can Mm -hmm. put keys into pockets or handbags an hour before if we're putting keys into a handbag maybe we could put the handbag in the car an hour before or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah and I always think like if they're avoidable do they actually ever need to be put back into the training too I mean some dogs will cope with that very well but you know yeah if they're completely avoidable why even make it more complicated Mm mm-hmm Yeah. And for some things, that's no problem for other things. It, you know, it kind of depends on there's like always this combination of priorities, how much of a pain it is, um, how reactive to it your dog is. Um, a lot of times what we find, um, is that, you know, when we reintroduce those cues later on that they're not a big deal anymore. So that, um, that keys equals scary absences has been broken. That link has been broken. Association. Yeah. yeah, The association has been broken. So, you know, for a lot of times it's not a big deal, but sometimes when we do try to reintroduce them, if they still are a big deal, then the client just determines, do I want to work through this or do I want to keep on kind of managing that by putting the keys in my pocket, for example. Yeah, and there's some things that just aren't avoidable. So if you were mm-hmm. literally going out, 
you know, you can't, maybe you need to lock up the house, you know, lock up the yeah. back door or something like that. Yeah. And a lot of the doors, um, particularly like in apartments and stuff, like the doors will automatically lock. Yeah. And so you have no control, like you can't not make it lock. Right. Um, I guess you could some, somebody was telling me if you put like a piece of tape around it, it won't. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, um, my, my, but, yeah. but so there are things that you do have to work through on the front end, and one of those, like for for fair number of dogs, is is the door itself, right? Um, so that can be sometimes yeah. we can change which door you go out of, um, and and maybe that other door wouldn't have the emotional baggage that the initial door does have, but. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, with the so maybe you you have to go out the front door. Maybe you live in an apartment and you only have that choice. But you mm-hmm. also don't want to leave your balcony door open because you know people can climb up into balconies and get in there. So you still have to lock the back door. So mm-hmm. lock the balcony door. So that's for me unavoidable. Um, mm-hmm. at, you know, it has to be added back into the training at some point, but. If you were just on little times initially, then you could avoid doing it. So I've had definitely mm-hmm. clients in the past where we haven't factored it in till the dogs build up some nice, solid foundational time mm-hmm. in their home alone absence. And then, as you say, we added it back in and that hasn't really had as much value as what it would have. Right, um, right. Yeah, that's started what I with it. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so dropping the pre-departure cues is one way to, to kind of help. Another way is to change some of the parts of the leaving routine. And that certainly can involve some of the pre-departure cues, but it also can be like, we were just talking about which door you leave from. It can also be where the dog hangs out while you're leaving. Um, So, you know, sometimes it's just about um, making it look different than it used to look. And that will, that change will, will many times have the dog consider this to be different than those past scary absences, um, which is what makes all that stuff powerful, changing kind of that antecedent arrangement. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, if you can change it up, I guess is 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 how you want to address it. Um, and if you can't, then if if you can get away with not adding it back into your training regimen straight away, do that. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it really comes down to a sort of desensitization protocol if it's mm-hmm. impossible to remove for whatever reason. Yeah, right. And I right. mean, things like that could be, um, you know, if you live in a house with a garage roller door at some point you have to add that back in i mean right maybe well actually you can avoid that at the beginning anyway because you could just have it up for quite some time mm-hmm. but there there are things that are pretty much unavoidable well just going out the front door for example is right right so we do desensitization around that or the back door or whatever door you leave by yeah so that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah right yes mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and we're it, looking for sorry go on. No, go ahead. Ah, I was just going to say, we're looking for the dog to be non-reactive or bored with whatever it is, whatever the cue mm-hmm. is. Um, yeah. But, but if 
with pre-departure cues, I never add them in at the beginning. I just no, complicates no. training so much. Yeah, it does, and it it can it can make I guess it can make the separation anxiety training feel more like a slog. Yeah. If if we're having to work through all of those cues before you can even get out the door. Mm-hmm. Now that like, like we're saying, like sometimes there are some cues that you have to work through, but if there were like five or 10 things that were bothering your dog and, you know, you had to work through all of those and then start desensitizing movement towards the door and then getting out the door, then um, you can see what, what matters to people is getting out the door, right? Like Mm. that's the goal is getting out the door. So if you have to put your keys in your pocket 20 minutes before you train, like most people are happy to do that, right? So they can start getting out the door. Um, And then like we were talking about, sometimes when we reintroduce it, the association of the keys with scary absences is totally broken and we don't have to do any work, right? So it's, Mm. it's, kind of a more efficient way to train, even if we have to do work when we introduce them. What I find is that the, the trigger is not as intense, right? Yeah, like, so yeah. it's, it's, it might be like, Ooh, that's a little scary. And we're like, no, 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 look, look, look how we're doing this nice yeah. and easy. And they're like, Oh, okay. That's no big deal. Yeah. Um, I've done this before. Hang on. <laughs> and yeah, they pull back on that foundational training. Yeah. I've actually just got a, I've got a client shout out to Jackie and her dog, Isla, who is very, very cute. Um, Mini schnauzer. Mini schnauzer. Yeah. And um, yeah, they, one of her dogs, so they've got a gravel driveway. Mm. Um, The sound of the car on the gravel was problematic for the dog. And we didn't add that back in till. So we added in a whole bunch of other stuff and we've left that till last. Um, And yeah, she's, killing it awesome just doing good good. I don't care yeah yeah that's really nice that's really nice when you when you take something I mean like even for me like I've seen so many times that that exact thing where like it used to be something that was so triggering and so when you're inner reintroducing it like in my mind I know there have been so many instances of me reintroduce helping a client reintroduce something and it not being a big deal, but then every time there's something big, you're kind of like, oh, but what if, um, but <laughs> like, like, but like I'm saying it, it's really for most dogs that it's just the, the association has been broken. So it's, um, it's not a big deal anymore. And that's such a big thing because maybe we should talk about associations. Dogs associate, they join dots that maybe shouldn't be there, um, unfortunately, but you can understand why they do so. An example outside of that is I had a client years ago um, and the dog didn't want to put have the harness on. Just was mm. like, I don't want anything to do with that. Turns out when it was a puppy, um, she was in her garage, she was putting the harness on, got the harness on, and then she was walking out the door and the dog, the door slammed quite badly on the dog to the point oh. screaming and, you know, like it was mm-hmm. nasty didn't want to bar off the harness after that so it's joined that association so that's right it kind of works that's a really good example of a dog joining an association um the harness mm-hmm. had nothing to do with the door <laughs> but right yeah. right yeah but the way that memory was made it was like that's what happened right before yeah um, so with a separation yeah. anxiety dog the association is 
you know, maybe it's the keys or a handbag or whatever it is. They've joined an association. They see that thing. You walk out the door. They go over threshold. They have a scary absence. And therefore, those mm-hmm. two things are connected in their mind. And if mm-hmm. we don't work, if we don't have the scary thing in their program for quite a while, build up some nice foundational time, add it back in, that association doesn't hopefully exist anymore. Or as you say, it's weaker than what it was. It's not as strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And dogs do that all the time for, for so many things. And it just helps them predict what is next, um, what's happening next. And they, they joined all these things together that like in, in a lot of cases, it does have some really good predictive value, but in some cases, like with the harness that, that Ness was talking about, not so much. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And when I, with my clients, I get them to, I obviously identify what their pre-departure cues might be, but then I also get them to rate them from one to 10. So one being Mm -hmm. the least scary, 10 being the most scary. And then when we add them back in, if there's several of them, we'll start with the the ones that are the least scary first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do the same. Start with the least scary ones. Um, Yeah. So the other type of cues that, that we can actually add in because there, there've been a, a few studies that show that, you know, when dogs know what's coming next, even if it's not something that they love, it does decrease their anxiety. Um, so some of the things that we can do in that case is add something in to let the dog know that um, the home alone exercise is starting um, or that you're leaving for a safe absence. So, um, or that for dogs that um, really anticipate or might have um, some FOMO or frustration regarding um, you leaving without them having kind of a, a dichotomy there. Like if I put my, your harness on, you're coming with, and if not, um, you're not so that they know which kind of scenario to expect. But as far as safe leaving cues, um, you can use something, a verbal phrase, um, be right back, I'll be back, I'll be back. <laughs> or um, something like that. Or you can use um, something visual. Sometimes people will set something out. Um, I have not used that a lot with my clients. I've got one of but- my clients does, yeah. Yeah. She so you a ribbon. Yeah. Um, I, I was talking to a lady the other day and we were talking about what to say when you walk out the door. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you can say, be right back. I said, I'll, I say to my dogs, I put on my best Arnie voice and I'll be back. Um, or I tell them I'm going hunting if I'm going shopping. Um, mm-hmm. But I said, you know, you just want make something that choose something that makes you smile when you walk out the door. So, you know, yeah. You're yeah, worrying about point. how they're going to react. Um, and I think we settled on bananas. <laughs> <laughs> she said, yeah, I'm going to say bananas when I walk out the door. I'm like, okay. <laughs> You're like, all right, go for it, man. Because it and, makes and you and smile, you yeah. know? Yeah, and it doesn't matter what you say as long as you're consistent, right? Because yeah. what you're trying to help um, is your dog to link that phrase or that visual cue or whatever it is to a safe absence, right? So it's kind of got to be the same every time. Um, 
But otherwise, um, I like the idea of using something like you said, something that makes you smile or feel a little bit lighthearted or. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, if you are worried about your dog when you leave, they're going to pick up on that. So it could it could impact them. So, yeah, if you if you're like smiley, happy, lighthearted. Bananas. Yeah. Elephants. Anything. <laughs> it's making me smile. <laughs> So, first of all, you guys, you need to identify what your pre-departure cues are, identify what your dog does when they uh, see them or when you're leaving. So, if, if you can tell what your dog, if your dog is actually anxious or perhaps just disappointed, <laughs> we're very disappointed in you. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yes. And then, yeah work on a program, work on your desensitization and add them back in nice and slowly with the least scary one first. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe to our channel so you don't miss another exciting episode of Tales from the Doghouse, Separation Anxiety Explained. Um, and if you are listening to us in your ears, um, yeah, please like, subscribe, give us a review if you feel that way inclined. Yeah. Yep, yep. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm Ness Jones from Separation Anxiety in Dogs Decoders. And I am Stacey Bell with Focused Fun. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Bye.